live and direct from the great borough of Brooklyn. This is Beneath the Surface Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We call what we do here Nation Time Strategic Planning. Mm-hmm. It's all about helping our people thrive again. I am Miss Eve, and this is Moray, and we are privileged to spark off our most recent discussion to that end. So let's dive in. What's today's topic, Moray? Missing girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but didn't we have a specific name for it? I think it's what about our missing girls? Correct. Question mark. What about our missing girls? Right. <laughs> exactly. That's because that's what we want to address. All right. You're yeah, right. Definitely. I look forward to it. Stay tuned. Moray, this is a topic that was really near and dear to your heart. In fact, you brought it up when we were in pre-production saying we really need to talk about what's going on with missing girls or missing children in general, right? Right, right. So the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're ready for this, it says 200,000 kids are kidnapped by family members every year. Wow. 200,000. Did you just say by family members? Yeah, by family members. So they're, wow. and therefore, uh, when it comes to what they call stranger abduction, okay, there are 115 cases that are opened every year for stranger abduction. So yes, it does say the majority of the people who are missing, the kids who are missing, um, are reported missing because some family member had access to them. Maybe it's the mother who didn't have custody or the father who didn't have custody or somebody else. Mm -hmm. But there are still triple digits in terms of stranger abductions every year. And CNN says that black kids are missing at a higher rate. So even though black kids are only 14% of the population, Mm -hmm. they are one third of the missing in the United States. Okay. Ultimately, that is what's going on. What say ye? Um, The fact that in my opinion, our communities at large aren't aware of these statistics Mm -hmm. or that it's not talked about in the news more often is more alarming to me. Yeah. And, you know, it just brings to light to the fact of like, why are people deciding to kidnap other people, you know, human trafficking, things of that nature. And, How do you get to the point where family members Mm -hmm. feel it's okay? Because when you kidnap anybody, you disrupt somebody's life. Yeah. So how do you get to the point where you feel it's okay to take somebody away from another person and think that there won't be repercussions? You know what is interesting about what you just said? You just used the term human trafficking. Right. This country started off a human trafficking. Correct. Isn't that interesting? Correct. You know, taking somebody against their will right our creator gave each of us a lifespan right and it should be up to that person the way that they want to enjoy this gift of having a life on earth yet somebody else decides that it's okay to live their life as well as the life of another person by snatching that 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 uh that victim of human trafficking right and the fact is is that when you do that to children Mm. you alter how they view things from that point on anybody especially children, but adults also. So when you do that, it's why would you decide to do that? And what benefit are you getting out of it? I wonder if they're thinking about the kid though. I don't believe so. One thing about childhood issues, mm -hmm. when people experience trauma in childhood, the thing that really gets to me, 
is that childhood can't be repeated. Right. It's not like somebody can go back to their childhood and then say, okay, let, let's bring let, let's bring different circumstances in so that I can have a different experience. No, once childhood ends, that's it. Okay. So it's really devilish, as far as I'm concerned, to change a person's childhood experience. Right. And definitely in that sense, we have to also remember that there are just evil people in the world. Mm. And so people have their own agendas and, you know, I can't tell you why a person would decide to kidnap somebody because I'm not a kidnapper. Yeah. And so, you know, we do know that there are some times where people want um, children and so when we look at some of these cases, mm. somebody who can't have a child decides, sees a goodly child, they hang out around a playground, they look for a moment of opportunity, and then they snatch him. Or they snatch the kid from the hospital, right? Correct. Mm. And, you know, they when they stop and they look at these things, you're like, the child may never know, be none the wiser. And you stop and you tell them, like, where's my family? Man. Oh, you know, your, your, your mother dropped you off and... I don't know why she hasn't returned, but mm. this is why you have to stay now. And so when I was a younger man, even a teenager, you know, they used to have the after school specials about these I things. I remember that. Right. And it made us more vigilant. It made us more aware of the things that were going on. How did we get away from that? Wait, wait, wait. are you talking about also that, mm -hmm. that, uh, commercial that said it's 10 PM. Do you? Oh my goodness! It's 10 p.m. Do you yeah. know where your children are? Yes, yes. That's 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 also, but that's it more so like on the parent than anything. That's true, but it seems like I don't. Do they have after-school specials now, or is the world completely changed? Because I think those things were addressed in after-school specials too. Well, I don't think the world has completely changed. I think maybe the focus has switched in other areas. Mm -hmm. We still see about missing teenagers. We still hear more. Uh, I think we see more of these, um, I don't want to say after school specials, but um, they're making people more aware of suicide prevention. That's true. Um, runaways, drug abuse, things of that nature. But within that and with them, them teaching those things, we need to talk about these missing girls also because there are people who are actually looking for these things. So Amber Alert, that's yeah. what we see more so now. We're like, oh, there's an Amber Alert. What's going on? And, you know, we, we hear about the Amber Alert, but we don't know about the follow-up for it. That's a good point. Right. And so when that happens, that's where it shows the level of importance there. But we need to talk a little bit more about the follow-up after the Amber Alert. Not just the fact that there's an Amber Alert, but the follow-up. I want to mention the psychology element just a little bit more, though, mm -hmm. because when something traumatic happens, mm -hmm. you it takes for some people and maybe even most people the rest of their lives to to get over that and when trauma happens you find yourself making decisions based on that trauma because that's an early experience right so that early experience determines the lens that's set in front of your face through which you view the rest of the, uh, the, the through which through which you view life in the rest of the world in mm -hmm. your relationships mm -hmm. and what's right versus what's wrong mm -hmm. um so it's th this is this is deep well it's it's clearly there's something psychological. Um, I believe it was in Ohio, and I could be wrong. I'll correct it later if it comes back to me. But there was a girl who was kidnapped and stayed there for, I think, uh, it was like over 20 years. Yeah. 
And then finally she decided to get up and leave. Like one day it came and, you know, it's easy for us to sit back and be like, oh, why'd you never leave? Yeah. And these things. But when you don't know anything else other than your jail mm-hmm. and that's what it is, no matter how you look at it, when you're kidnapped from a young age mm-hmm. and somebody manipulating you and telling you this is what you have to do. And, you know, we all say, how could there be a person living in a home and no neighbors. So this is the thing about what about our missing girls? Yeah. No neighbors question. This girl never went to school. This girl never like went to a grocery store. Well, they might not have seen the girl. Nobody. Ever. Or the or the boy. They never, might not have right. ever seen the person. But but do we have a, a greater job as a community mm. to make sure that we're paying attention to the things happening around us? You know, we can we can readily admit there's people that look weird. There's some people who like, oh, yeah, you know, such and such. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The weird-looking guy, right? Yeah. Or the weird-looking one. Mm-hmm. But then later on, when you find out, oh, I kind of always knew there was something about it. But how come we don't ask the questions that need to be asked to make sure that we protect not only our girls, but one another? And one question that we can ask is, do I live in a neighborhood or do I just live in a hood? Right. Because are people being neighbors? Are they being neighborly? Do some people even remember what being a neighbor is? And so that's part of that thing about missing girls also. Do we have this thing? Is there an unspoken rule or a quote unquote common courtesy? You mind your business Mm. and I'll mind my business and everything will be okay. Yeah. I wonder what what happened. Um, I think whatever happened happened before either one of us was born, but not by much because even our parents were able to say your mother grew up in a city, right? Correct. Yeah. But actually even my father grew up in a city in a city and he was able to say that if you did something wrong, uh, you know, the whole thing, if you did something wrong at school, the teacher would get on you. And as you're walking down the street to get to your house, you're getting spanked by each of the neighbors. But (laughs) I listen, (laughs) be that as it may they still dealt with this problem also. Mm-hmm. And so even in the time of them talking to one another, and it was supposed to be that everybody knew each other yeah. and no matter what, everybody knew everybody's name and all that other mm. stuff, there were still children missing. Wow. Why is that? Well, one thing we want to merge into for the next segment has to do with who is doing something about this. Right. A lot of times we're just running our mouths and talking and saying, wow, this person is missing. Amazed at it. Mm -hmm. Or you'll you'll go on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and say, pray for my neighbor's child who's missing. Right. But what about our black politicians? Right. You know, are these, uh, these are people who are leaders in our communities. What are they doing? A lot of times people ask about politicians and leaders in our communities. And so they who, should. Yeah, because yeah. actually we did vote for them, did we not? Yeah, right. So, um, and the question that comes up is, what are people doing about it? Because if a particular family, especially a nuclear family of about four or five people, um, experiences this, can they really solve this huge problem by themselves? Okay, so here's my thing. While you can't control what people do before they act, you can put processes in place that deter people from the behavior. Okay. And so the question is, do we have strong enough laws? Do we have people policing strong enough to ensure that our children are protected? Now I have to do my part. 
if I have my children walking around the street at 11 p.m., <laughs> 12 a.m., 1 a.m., and expect them to be protected, I'm not doing my part. Nope. However, as politicians, we have to make sure that, especially in this election year, that we're talking to politicians. Say that again, especially when? In this election year, 2020, that we talk to our politicians and tell them, this is important to us. We want to make sure that our children are being protected, and we want to make sure that our girls are being protected. What happens, we, we're seeing more and more of these videos on the news. Yeah. That we have street cameras, and we have cameras all over. People have cameras on their homes and things of that nature, and we have all this technology, yet we can't seem to deter this type of behavior, and people are willing to do this in broad daylight. What's in place to make sure that when somebody starts to act like this, when we can see this type of behavior, it happens. And I just want to say this yeah. and I'll let you go because we have, we have, uh, recent laws for hate crimes mm -hmm. to make sure that people are deterred from that type of activity. We have recent laws for terrorism and terrorism threats. The very, the very idea of a terrorist threat can get you major time in jail. What about abduction? What about our missing girls? You know, I can hear the objection, which is, why do you always need the government? Every time I turn around, people asking mm -hmm. about the government. You know, our communities need to get together and do things themselves. Mm -hmm. But there is something that I learned about in college called the social contract. Mm -hmm. And one part of that is that you actually put people in office in order to regulate the way that a society functions. Either we are a society or we're not. Correct. Either we are a nation, capital N, based on what we were talking about, or we're mm. not. And the people put in place to deal with issues like this do have a responsibility. In right. terms of what is in place, uh, there is um, a organization called Black and Missing. Okay. And there are other nonprofits mm -hmm. and there are other newspapers that report, especially black newspapers mm -hmm. that report on especially the black missing kids. Um, there is the Journal of Negro Education. And so they're basically scholars who actually write stories about or not just stories, but they publish their their research about what's going on with black kids missing. Mm -hmm. They actually said that there are also 64,000 black female college students missing. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about missing children right now, but uh, child and childhood is extremely vulnerable, no doubt. Right. But a girl who goes away to college is also vulnerable. And you know? do you use the word, the term correctly, a girl? Yeah. You know, we we <laughs> yes. send our kids off at 18, 19, but yeah. you still have time to develop to be There's no doubt. An, a responsible adult. And that, that also speaks to what parents should be doing I'm, I'm as you know I'm a great I'm a big com, uh, proponent of going away to college I, th I think it did a lot for myself and my brother and a lot of people mm -hmm. is not to say it's for everybody but it's sort of a it's almost like a rites of passage in a sense but you still as a parent have the responsibility to prepare your kid and so that's our whole point you we, we're talking about the leaders mm -hmm. but everybody has a role in this yeah not only do our leaders have a role but the parents have a role and so I say for the role of the parents it's you need to make sure you, you're having your children in a position so that they're accountable for their whereabouts that would allow the leaders to put things in place that say, hey, this child was where they were supposed to be. The parent did everything that they were supposed to do. And now we're going to put people in place that if that breaks down, then there's another safeguard. There's, okay. there's a catch point where we stop and we say, okay, well, what is this guy doing over here around this child at this time? Yeah. And then when we see those th those type of things happening, what are we doing to deter it? So I just want to say this. 
a lot of people, you know, I have this thing about finger pointing. Okay. And so, so you know, when things go wrong, there's going to be finger pointing. Mm-hmm. Somebody didn't do something, and that's fine. Or somebody could have did something better, which is fine also. But the thing is, when my taxpayer dollars hmm. go to your salary to ensure that the place around me is safe, I need you to think about what you can do to put in place to ensure that things are safer for everybody. Because the reality is, is that these children are our future. So it goes both ways. You have leaders, you have law enforcement, Mm -hmm. you have an exchange, an exchange of your tax dollars for the protection that a society is supposed to offer. And And the judges. Yes, yes. And you also have uh, families and extended families. I remember growing up, uh, and this came up in my mind maybe... Uh, a month or so ago because I was think I was just sitting down thinking and I was able to recall just like that all the num- phone numbers I was expected to memorize when I was like oh, wow. six. You're good. You know what I mean? I could, I, but the thing <laughs> I is. I can't remember all them numbers. <laughs> I, okay. There was really only two. One of them is my great aunt who lived in Coney Island and one uh-huh. of them was my mother's sister who lived in Bed-Stuy. That's the process. Yeah. You see what your parents did for you. But that but that's what I was going to ask you being mm-hmm. a parent. It's like but part of the reason that this came to my mind is mm-hmm. because I was comparing how I remember those numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't remember numbers now. Right. So well, that, we got speed down now. Well, so. But but also that talks about the power of the memory because mm-hmm. if you give a kid something to remember, especially if you make a game out of it, um when they're little kids, they will not forget those numbers. Right. So I'm going to ask you uh what when what what is it that you put in place or that you did with your kids when they were little to -hmm. make sure that they made good decisions in terms of uh, when strangers were around? So I pretty much did the same practices that my mother did with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though cell phones were around when I was a young adult, it wasn't popular that everybody had a cell phone. And definitely children didn't have cell phones. So you have a set of numbers that you write down for them, nice and neat. You put it in their pocket. You tell them, hey, if this is ever going on, this is who you should call. Mm -hmm. If you call this person, then call this person. If you call this person, then call this person. But never be afraid to call 911. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, If anything's ever going on and you can't get in the house, this is where you should go. So all of those things still should be in place now. I have a daughter that's 29 years old. I still worry wait, wait, about wait, her. Wait, 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 you have let's, a, wait, 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 you focus. have a what? Let's focus, Miss Eve. <laughs> and so 29? with, with her, I sit down and say, I'm like, listen, even though you're grown now, yeah. they're snatching people off the street. Yeah. Have certain numbers on speed dial. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to call your father. Sometimes, you know, it's one of those practices. Listen, if you got to call me in the middle of the night and you think somebody's following you and you want to just act like you're on the phone, you're you're on the phone. No, not be on the phone, but you want to act like I'm close and you just say, hey, dad, you told me you were around the corner. Where are you at? I'm walking right now. Yeah, that can deter that type of behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to put in the minds of our daughters and also our sons, because we want there to be the least likely possibility mm-hmm. that something bad can happen to them. That's really interesting. Um, well, it's always good to have have some kind of plan, mm-hmm. and you know, and and it's good that you mentioned uh, even as they transition into adulthood, 
uh, to make good choices because right. the psychologists learned a few uh, a few years ago mm-hmm. that adolescence ends at 25. Mm-hmm. You don't age into adulthood just because you turn 18 and your brain says, okay, frontal lobe is calcified. Everything mm-hmm. is good. You're an adult. No, there's a process. Right. And when I brought that up to some people, they were like, no, my adolescence didn't end until 30. <laughs> <laughs> But still, 25 is about that time, mm-hmm. which, of course, con- contradicts the, the way that society is structured in a sort of dysfunctional type way, yeah. uh, such as the fact that you can go to war before that age and things like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. as, as, as parents of people who are transitioning into adulthood, they still have that uh, underdeveloped mind or brain mm-hmm. even at that point. I already mentioned the 64,000 black female college students missing. Mm-hmm. ABC News found that families... Actually, black families have to, to fight for politicians, TV, and the police to actually take notice. In other words, mm. when it comes to black kids missing, it really is not taken seriously. So not only are black kids overrepresented among the missing, but nobody or very few people take it seriously. They mm. are actually more likely to be viewed and dismissed as runaways than white kids. What do you think well, that might be about? Well, see, so that's part of the process, right? Now there's a Netflix movie on, on right now playing on Netflix okay. that um I won't name right now. Okay. That talks about a child who his mother thought he was missing. Come to find out he was part of a traffic stop and he was being detained somewhere. Wow. But I want to talk about the process. Okay. Because when she started she was hysterical. Of course. And she was hysterical. She was like, "Listen, my son doesn't just stay out." My son doesn't just you not know what? come I home. I saw that. I saw it. it was really good. But go ahead. And and so now, this is what happens. The process is in order to actually have a missing person be classified as a missing person, mm-hmm. forty eight hours has to transpire. Yeah. And we all know <laughs> there's a whole lot that can go down in forty eight hours. So the really the first forty eight hours is on me. And so, mm-hmm. they, you know, now they have to drill your whole lifestyle. Um, you know, did your daughter have a boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Um, is your son known to hang out? Does he do drugs? Yeah. Um, does he have a friend's house that he stays at? And now you're sitting down and you're trying to tell him, you're like, look, no matter how you put this, no matter how you're doing these things, I would not have called you yeah. if I thought he was on a drug binge somewhere <laughs> of course or not. I thought she was hanging out with one of her girlfriends. <laughs> Thank you. But because you have police that are inundated with so much work that maybe there's a point where we need to ask ourselves, should there be a special task force mm. just for this? And so that's what we're going to get into in the next segment, the systems that are in place to help in these situations. you mentioned earlier that there is a really famous system that is in place to alert people when a child is missing. What is that again? Amber alert. 
Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. basically, um, Amber Alert is a part of something international called Rapid Emergency Child Alert Systems. Okay. So there are Rapid Emergency Child Alert Systems all around the world, and the one that we have here is called Amber Alert. It's mm -hmm. funny, I was in a room and everybody's Amber Alert went off at the same time. Right, right, right. So, it's it's but, loud noise, yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. I really like that that's right. available. The other thing is reporting to the cops, of course. Right. Nine one one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know that some people are concerned about you know how the police will treat their children, that sort of thing. Um, but I would say, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I would say that the majority of people who get into law enforcement do so to help people. So hopefully, definitely. <laughs> so hopefully, um, you know, whoever it is that you call, you know, will set off uh, the next few uh, steps toward the process of finding your child. The other thing is to call um, the phone number for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. This is something that some people don't remember to do. It's 1-800-THE-LOST. So that's pretty easy nice. to remember. 1-800-THE. Yeah, L-O-S-T. Okay. Um, so, so, and then the other thing is that if you have a little kid and the kid or, and the kid was missing in the house, you check your house right. <laughs> and your car for any place that a child can hide. For example, children for whatever reason, like to go into the trunk. And if you have Whoa. a child who goes in the trunk and the door closes, next thing you know, the kid is afraid. The kid doesn't know to pull that lever that's that should be right in front of their face. Mm -hmm. And plus panic kind of sets in. And then the child, the, the parent is panicking as well. All right. Uh, and then also if, you, if you're in the, a store or in the mall or some um, location, then you can of course contact the manager of that uh, establishment whenever you see that your child is missing so there are systems that are in place right yeah do you um think that one or the other of them is is actually better to use is there a particular um sequence of events that that you would carry out um not necessarily mm -hmm. but what i will say is you know i want us to remember this there's a process before an Amber Alert is set out. You can't okay. just send out an Amber Alert. You mm -hmm. can't be like, hey, my child is missing. Boop, yeah. Amber Alert. Yeah. Right? Um, you you have to get in touch with the police. You have to dial 911. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to actually be at a police precinct for them to say, hey, send out this Amber Alert because. And then you have to have some information leading up to it. So Good point. If you know... Hey, listen, this is the car. This person took my child and this was the license plate that I seen. Hmm. Then they send out the Amber Alert. This was the color of the car. Oh, there's a red Nissan Maxima license plate number, blah, 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 blah. You know, left uh, should be a, you know, a black male and they go through the whole thing, right? Yeah. And so when that happens then then you can do that but the thing i say is that the first thing you should do get as many people involved as possible and don't let it be just 911 don't be afraid to call family don't okay. be afraid to call friends and say hey listen i believe somebody just took x y and z i need y'all to look out in your neighborhood or i haven't seen her Look out in your neighborhood. I want y'all to see if y'all see her, see what's happening. Because when you do that, now you have additional eyes trying to find what you're looking for. Yeah. And so it's like that needle in a haystack. 
It's, you know, you may not see it, somebody else may see it. And so when you do that, when you get as many people involved as possible, that's your greatest chance to avert disaster. That goes back to being alert and paying attention to your kids. Right. Uh, back in the olden days, people, there was an, ex- an, ins- an inspection <laughs> before you could leave your house. So, right. in fact, I think the Cosby Show showed that. I think that. They did. It, yeah. <laughs> They I did. think that they stood in front of uh, in front of uh, Heathcliff Huxtable, mm-hmm. and he, you know, just made sure that they were leaving the house in a respectable way. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I couldn't leave the house any old way. Sure. I know that my parents had to look at me before I left the house. Same for me. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't just. I don't know if this is just a black parent thing or just a parent thing, mm-hmm. but you know, I, we couldn't just run out of the house without. So it's really important for dads and moms and extended family who might live around or if Mm -hmm. you are the head of household of a a house that kids are going to be staying in for a little while to pay close attention to what they have on you can report these things and i was just about to say that and that's why it's so important because that's one of the questions Mm -hmm. okay well what's the last thing your child had on so at least we know is hey listen they had on a blue coat now if you're sitting there and you're like I don't know well, what color, what coat was it? Was it the blue coat? Was it the green coat? Well, yeah. it's actually blue greenish, blue greenish. <laughs> how did they have their hair? Mm-hmm. I, I threw the hat on their head, but mm-hmm. that's part of that inspection part. Not only the way you go out the house that you're presentable, but also, Hey, listen, this is what my child had on. This is what my child looks like. They have a favorite necklace that they mm-hmm. wear. Um, they have a favorite watch that they wear. You know, they, 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 I'm sure she has that Ted, that small teddy bear still <laughs> in her hand. And so when you do that, yeah. these are identifying marks that there's somebody could stop and say, Oh, I seen somebody walking with that little girl in the grocery store a little mm. while ago buying her candy. Wow. And that teddy bear was in her hand. Mm. And then that technology that we have, Oh, let's see the store's cameras. Let's say, let's, let's watch this street that they were going down. These are part of things that, again, help avert disaster. I think also imagine the embarrassment of having a cop in your living room and they say a bunch of things to you, ask a bunch of questions that you don't know the answer to. Does your son have a little girlfriend? I don't know. Does your daughter have a little boyfriend? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what is his hairstyle? I don't know. Like not knowing anything about your own, who are, who are their friends and who are their friends' parents? I think that that's probably really challenging nowadays, well, you know, to know every single or, or the main friends of your child uh, and their parents. Right. And especially, you know, some, some kids are social butterflies yeah. and that's okay. But part of this conversation is it's time to have a conversation Yeah. because what about our missing girls? Mm. What about our missing children? You know, don't be afraid to sit down with your children and be like, hey, listen, I might not necessarily want to know all your friends, but who's yeah. your best friends? Mm-hmm. You know, when when you leave school and, you know, you want to show the rest of your friends how cool you are and all that other stuff, where do you go? What do you do? Part of the things with teenagers is they don't really want to tell their parents where they are <laughs> yeah. because the parents might shut the whole thing down, right? <laughs> like, if I find out where you're really at, but you sit down and you say, hey, listen, this is important. I should know, like, kind of where you're at. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to tell you. Was, me and my brother, we <laughs> were always someplace. We had no place being. Mm-hmm. There was sometimes we, I mean, talking at seven years old, eight years old. My mother, if she found out where we were, you <laughs> like Mount Vernon? That's when wow. travel wasn't big like that. Wow. Me and my, he's 12. 
I'm seven. Y'all were mischievous. Right. Well, hey, listen. Y'all were mischievous. Now you can go into Manhattan and show up in New Jersey, deep in New Jersey. Yeah. You get in long, get on the Long Island Railroad, deep on the Long Island Railroad. Mm -hmm. What happens now? Oh, I can't find my way back home. And what's the last thing you want? Some stranger saying, oh, you need to get back home. Hmm. Come get in the car. Mm. I'll take you to the train station. And that's what happens. That's why it's important to have the conversation with our children about talking to strangers, knowing who to ask help from, and to have that list. Don't be afraid. Listen, sometimes are you going to get in trouble? Yes. Mm -hmm. But understand what can happen is worse. I'd rather come get you from wherever you are. And you can trust that I'll, I'll deal with that than to have it be a thing where I never see you again. There's a life lesson there too, just in terms of how to live in a household with other human beings. Right. Because even when I was home from college or home from grad school, if I was, if I was going to be out, no, I didn't have a curfew anymore, but at least I, we were expected to say, I'm not going to be home until X, Y, Z. And this is where my friends and I are, mm -hmm. you know, we're in the village, we're at X, Y, Z, you know, location and I'll be late a text or something. Right. You know? So I think that that's a life lesson to say, it's not just that I want to control you, but we live in a household together. Everybody should have an idea of where the other person is just in case something comes up. Correct. Yeah. So when it comes to the news reporting, one thing that we've learned in our own research on this topic is that the news reports uh, black kids missing a little bit differently uh, than everyone else. So mm -hmm. let's dive into that. Earlier, uh, I mentioned a statistic that said that even though black kids are just 14% of the population, they are 33% um, of the missing. Mm. And we, and a lot of people have complained about not hearing as much about black kids missing um, on the news. Did you have any thoughts about why or, or anything related to that? So I have this thing about media, right? media they are designed to report news that you know is sensational to us mm -hmm. and if it's not sensational then they need to sensationalize it um when our children go missing how important is it to them and so i believe i used to watch a news program there was a slot at the end of the show have you seen this child Oh yeah, I remember the, the you mean the milk carton situation. No, I think. Well, not or, on, no. I'm cartons? talking about on there were milk cartons, okay. but I'm talking about in particular concerning the end of a news slot. It okay. was at the very end of the news show, and wasn't necessarily any particular race. They just picked, I'm presuming, two randoms. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes like if I seen this in 1989, and it said missing since 1974 yeah, i remember that i right. remember those right then you're like well good grief it's 1989 1974 that's 15 years ago how old is this person now? and do they look the same and so i say that we can be more vigilant because now in 2020 we have different avenues that allow us to report the things that's important to us mm 
And so we have social media platforms, right? And we can go in there and we can do that. We can get, we can actually build our own websites now. We can do different things that get information. This is an age of communication. Yes. And so it has to be important to us to communicate with one another what's important to us because everybody else communicates what's important to them. Just the idea is that we have to put it into our mind to communicate this type of issue with one another. So are you saying it is what it is? The news is not necessarily going to be unbiased in terms of whose trauma or whose situation they report. So let's take it upon our own selves and use other media platforms that exist and, and not just depend on the news. And more so control your own destiny. You know, we're, we're depending on the news to tell us what's happening in the community, but they can't possibly report every single thing. That's true. So now who determines what's important? that news outlet but we know exactly what's important to us when we report it ourselves and so we won't miss it when we know what's happening there so you know there's sometimes where we look at social media and we're like oh people are always arguing about this and people should do more of that and blah 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 blah. and i'm i'm very much a proponent i'm like whatever you do on your platform that is your platform that's what you created it for just make sure that it is something that is beneficial to the whole. So if laughing and joking is your platform, then laughing and joking is your platform. And there's people who come there for laughing and joking, and that's all right. But also remember, there's an important part of our situation that we need to report about. That's these missing girls. And so when we do that, save some space. And all what you do, save some space to talk about this very important issue because if we don't take care of our own, yeah. who will? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's important to not just give up on the news, mm-hmm. as you were suggesting. In fact, uh, call the news outlets, you know, right. at least put it in their hands and say, and, and not just your local news, but also the cable news. Put it in their hands and see what they'll do with it. Maybe follow up a few times or appoint one of your family friends to be on the on that particular case and right. then look at all the other out, all the other the opportunities to to get that information out including flyers on trees which you know it's it's That's it's amazing school, but it's, it works <laughs> it's very old school right. however i think we're living in a time in which people assume that everything can be solved digitally right. so sometimes we just put things out on the digital platforms when a person walking down the street <laughs> may or may not be on Twitter, All right. but they'll see that flyer and they'll see the picture of your kid and they'll say, man, I've, I saw that same kid being pulled into a car. Good old fashioned bulletin board, mm-hmm. bulletin board. You see advertisements out there digital now, but you see big bulletin boards, big displays. And it's like, Oh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing for us. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we take the approach to say that, we're going to talk about, communicate, and advertise that which is important to us and not be afraid to do that. It's never too much of something that is disastrous. We don't want our children missing. The fact that we, uh, our children, what is the statistic you gave, 14%? 14% of, uh, of children in this country are black, right. but 33% but of the missing are black. Are missing. Yeah. That's that's alarming. Yeah. Thirty three percent. That's a full third. Right. Full third. That's alarming. Mm -hmm. And so 
we have to take control of the reins again. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure that we're, we're doing what we need to do to move that number lower and eventually eliminate it. This means may seem like a stretch, but also just being involved in life, um, expands one's social circles and expands one's network. For example, going to work and coming home and going to congregation and coming home shouldn't be the extent of a person's life. Correct. Now, of course, you can decide, you know, if you're an introvert, you can decide to live however you want. But it enriches life more when you're involved in your personal interests and the people who are also in, uh, in, uh, involved in those same interests mm -hmm. and being in uh, being involved in your community and in your city so that you have expanded social circles so that you have more people to pull on and to, to get help from when crises happen in life. Uh, so it may seem like a stretch, but that's a part when you when you expand your network that also expands your lifestyle right. and and provides additional opportunities for assistance when you need it. Well, Moray, I got a lot from having this discussion with you. Uh, by way of recap, what's an example of what we or our listeners can actually do about what we've gleaned from this episode? So, you know, I'm always on that C word. Communication. Communicate. <laughs> Communicate, communicate. Mm -hmm. We got to stay with it. We have to be vigilant. Let's not let this just be a discussion. Let us, let's let it be followed with action. Um, I'm sure that we've made one another aware, not just me and you, mm -hmm. but the people that's listening to us and things of that nature, to cause them to understand that there's more that we all can do. Talk with your children. Don't just talk with your children. Talk with your children's friends. Talk with the children in your neighborhood. Be that literal village. And don't be discouraged by people who don't want to be involved. Make sure that the people who want to be involved, we protect those because that's one, that's one less child that can go missing. And that's one more person that's around that can make this world great. Wow, that's good. Well, let's do exactly that. Actions speak louder than words. Listeners, please remember to click the subscribe button so that you'll know about new episodes and tell your own circle about the Beneath the Surface podcast. Also, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please give us as many stars as you can. In other words, all of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How about that? And if you're on Twitter, Instagram, or another social media platform, we won't complain if you link and share the episode with your own friends and followers, especially for a topic like this. Right. Thanks for joining us again. And until next time, keep up the good work out of your own, uh, out in your own respective spheres of influence. Remember, it is hashtag nation time. time. Never, ever forget. Peace. Peace. Peace.